welcome back to another episode of the Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, I'm Trav, and that's Alex over there. I don't know if he's got a sandwich in him already tonight or not. We might be no, doing got a you sandwich. No, no, just a bunch of Kleenex. You've been eating Kleenex. I'm, I'm eating Kleenex. <laughs> God no, damn. The, the, you know, I'm in New Mexico. I'm in the high desert over here, and I'm still getting allergies. Despite the fact that it's snowing like crazy over here. What's the weather like over there? Because down here it's snowing like crazy. That's and I'm still freaking blowing my nose. That's like, weird. You might, um, maybe you're just allergic uh, to something. I don't, maybe it's not, uh, did you just blow your nose? <laughs> maybe it's, yes. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's I'm something in the house. Everything. Maybe you got radon in there. I don't know. Maybe you get, maybe get a professional out. Have a look. You know, I, I I realized, you know, at a young age that the earth wants me dead. Yeah. So when that happens, you just kind of roll with it mm-hmm. and you just kind of deal with things as they come. So I'm not doing too great uh, <laughs> when it comes to allergy stuff. But what's weird about this is when I look out my window and it's snowing and blowing like crazy and... Like, why am I still sniffling? Yeah. This is ridiculous. And you live and in the I high just desert. Changed. Yeah. I live in the high desert out in here in Albuquerque. I just changed the uh, furnace filter, like, the other day. So there can't be a bunch of a bunch of crap in the air. I don't know. I don't know. I, it, it is what it is, as, as the great ones say. You know, it snowed here, like, three weeks ago, and it hasn't left the ground. It's one of those snows that just doesn't yep. leave. You're probably used to that in Minnesota, but here it'll it, at most two or three days it's gone. It's out of here. But we're having that really? uh, permafrost on our yeah sweet sweet I was mountain grass. Say, Minnesota, it's like the snow in November stays until like freaking March usually. Yeah, like, it's it's it ain't going anywhere. But yeah, we'll see what happens here but uh we'll yeah. see what happens it's, it's it's been snowing all effing day and it's been miserable but you know what that's fine because we're here and we got a uh, hammer and harry one and two we got, we got it we got it <laughs> a lot of people didn't think we'd get it but you know i got it i got it for the people people, people were doubted like doubted us they said they doubted you they did they said are you ever gonna get hammer and harry on that channel let's see if you can um and we got him out there now hammer and harry didn't come to the U.S. Uh, very popular in the power regions. Europeans loved Hammer and Harry. Very popular in Japan, but didn't make it over here to the U.S. for some weird reason. Despite the guy on the cover looking like a weird methed out version of like Sylvester Stallone and Charlie Sheen, it didn't it didn't get sold on shelves here. Maybe for that reason. Maybe it scared people. I'm not sure. I think the bulge scared people. It was. Pro- you know what? It's probably the bulge. You're probably right. Yeah. The the bulge is the put focal it, put- point of the cover. Let let us know. Email drunk drunk friend podcast. Does the bulge scare you? Does it scare you? Just let us know. Yeah. Like, y- yes or no. Which of Harry's hammers scares you the most? <laughs> you know, I think average game. I think people love this game. Maybe a little too much. It's fine. I think it's great. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It's not one that I you know went bonkers over. I think the story is ridiculous though. Which I like. Just this, these guys called the Rusty Nailers come and just take over his house while he's gone, and then he just gets he gets upset and just just goes to take down a real estate mogul. You don't you don't get a good story like that on the NES all the time, so that's fun. But uh, you know that's good. And a lot of people didn't know there was a sequel. Yeah, I didn't know there's a sequel. I I knew there was Hammer and Harry. Mm-hmm. I knew of the Game Boy game, which is a lot of fun. I knew of the Super Famicom game, which is a lot of fun. But yeah. 
I had no idea there were two games. Two games. Need two Hammer and Harrys. Two Hammer, two Harry. <laughs> it, but they're fine games. I'm, I'm not meaning to, to dog them or anything. It's just, uh, you know. They're good beat-em-ups. Yeah, yeah, platforming with a hammer, man. Yeah, a lot of the... I, I, I got to say, like, a lot of the footage that you had, you know, shows uh, Hammer and Harry just, like, jumping around uh, with no enemies around. Like, what are you supposed to use this hammer for? It's not, you know? uh, yeah, you're right. There's there's not as many enemies in the first game. Then the second game, I feel like they took that feedback. Somebody was like, you know, you need to add a, bit, a few more enemies in that sequel. And they were like, oh, okay. And they cranked it up to 11 because in that one, you can't take four steps without having to whack a guy. Wow. But, Okay. But you're right. That's the, cool. The first one, I think, is a little more, uh, the platforming itself is a little more of a focus than hmm. the enemies. But, uh, you know, all said, not too bad. The, I like the bosses. All the bosses are a little bit different. I love a game that, that goes all out and gives you, you know, you don't, you're not just jumping on a guy's head three times. You have to figure out how to, how to get them. They're very different. You know, I, I like that. And that game delivers on that front. But. Right on. What about you, though? You're out there. You're playing a game. I like it when you pull out these uh, a lot of these Super Famicom games, all these forget, you know, hidden, whatever you call them, forgotten titles, because a lot of times they translate to just four words that have never been grouped together. Here we got <laughs> Battle Tycoon Flash Hiders. What what in the hell is that? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not the whole title. You got to go Battle Tycoon Flash Hiders SFX. I forgot. I don't I'm know so what sorry. the SFX is. I don't either. But, uh, yeah. Battle Tycoon Flash Hiders SFX. SFX. I don't know what... I, I have no idea what that is. But, um, yeah. It's it's a perfectly fine, you know, fighting game with all sorts of, like, RPG stuff going on. With, like, money management stuff going on. It's a lot of fun. And it it's a great looking game. Yeah. For sure. And you got ten different fighters. It's not your generic fighting game for sure it's it's not street combat you know some pathetically rolled out like just like limp dick like <laughs> okay here's here's this game you know here's <laughs> i mean come on like when when you look at a game like street combat the first thing you think is like this is the most limp dick oh yeah game it's like rival turf ever seen it's terrible it's just awful, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, this um, one, there is more that, than meets the eye here. I wasn't expecting... Uh, it, well, by the title itself, who would have ever thought it's a fighting game? Again, it's just a big collection of words. But uh, <laughs> once I realized it was a fighting game and I looked at because Alex never goes. He doesn't approach six minutes for a single video game often. And I was like, a six-minute video on a fighting game from Alex? What What in tarnation? And then I realized there's a lot here. There's like point systems oh, and yeah. RPG. Like I was blown away by how deep it goes. There's gambling. There's RPG stuff. There you got to level up. We got Nate Joe commenting on this. Nate Joe is a is an old. Oh yeah. Uh, Nate Joe's an old uh, SNES trunk uh, commenter. He's on here. He's in the game. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Wow, this game, this fighting game looks amazing. I'm not even into fighting games anymore, but I would play this. Like, if if it's got the Nate Joe seal seal of approval, bring that, it on. That goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. Is this a one off? Are there other? Is there a Battle Tycoon Flash Hiders two SFX? No, this Aww. is actually the sequel to uh, something from uh, Turbo Graphics oh. CD." Actually, so I'll be gosh dang. Uh, this is the end of the line, so to speak. So okay, yeah, 
We got Tanuki's email over here. Do you want me to read this real quick? Go for it. Read that email. We got e- an email from Tanuki. He just says, just a quick howdy and a factoid. All right. He says, hey, guys, loving the show so far. I feel like you guys have really hit a stride the past few months. All right. Fun fact. Yeah, right on. Fun fact, the email you got last episode where the dude talked about the Wii Shop is a reference to an amazing classic video. If you've never seen it, it's a must-see. Sorry if you already know this and I missed the bit. Ha ha. Anyway, keep up the good work. Also glad to hear Alex is digging the meditation. That's what's up. Here's the video and he links the video. Yeah, I uh, I whiffed on that one. Woo. Woo dog. We we totally missed the reference because we're old. <laughs> Which and apparently it's an old video. But what I thought was funny is that I think most people expected that uh, we got it and we were being cheeky back, like we were purposefully <laughs> being a little blissful. Uh, and it wasn't until Twitter the next day where I realized that uh, I had no idea <laughs> what people were talking no, about. No, I didn't either. And you know, I yeah, that was that was a weird thing where it's kind of you're doubling back on s- certain stuff where it's like wait what 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 is this and i can't remember which yeah. episode it was but if you're listening you're probably lost but like there was uh and actually it's funny because our next emailer is the person who kicked this off so it was an email from robert auguste meyer where he listed off all the wii titles he got from the uh the wii shop and it was like this long list of games and we toyed with like do we do we say them all do we not whatever but that whoosh. email was, yeah, it was it was in reference to this other uh, massive whoosh by us. Yeah, a YouTube yeah, video. Yeah, Ninja Gaiden two one, Ninja Gaiden two, Ninja Gaiden three. Yeah, I I had no idea that that was a thing, but uh, now I do. So thank you so much for yeah. for doing that. Yep, uh, yep yeah, yep. we're old. We're old. We are old. We're so old we didn't understand a 2017 YouTube video. But speaking of the one and only Robert Auguste de Meyer, we have an email from him. That's uh, it's titled Games That Piqued Your Curiosity. He says, "Howdy drunk buddies and hello Robert." He says, "Recently I was playing Cruelty Squad and I found it to be my favorite game in years. It's extremely weird. Even worse, is how difficult it is, not only in gameplay terms, but also stylistically. The graphics and layout are repugnant. Story-wise, too, it's about a capitalist world where you must harvest organs and put them on the stock market. There are many other tricks up its sleeve, too, which I won't spoil. This reminded me of how much I love Castlevania 2. It's also weird. It's not foreboding. I was always excited to find out what comes next. I would argue that Dark Souls is also exciting for this reason. And when I think about it, video games are narratives that push back. If you want to know how the story continues, you have to be curious enough to push back. The mystery acts like a carrot on a stick, and some games know how to keep a secret. I was wondering if you're familiar with this enticement, and if you could share games and experiences you've had with this. I always feel like old games were better at this because developers had not crystallized yet how game narratives work. Get a silk bag from the graveyard, duck, to live longer. Robert Auguste Meyer, leaving us a cryptid video, cryptic video game nugget there at the very end of the email, as always, Robert being... Yeah, what, what, what's with that? Do you know what that's from? Is that a Darkwing Duck thing? Uh, maybe wouldn't this episode come full circle <laughs> it's from castlevania 2 it was uh the graveyard duck line oh okay classic yeah. mistranslation 
But no, yeah. I, I like this question. What basically I was asking is like, is there, um, you know, game experience where you pushed on because you just wanted to see what was next, no matter how weird the game was or how maybe off-putting parts of it were, you just wanted to see what came next. I like to talk about uh, a game that my dad picked up in the dollar bin, the discount bin at uh, Comp USA. It's, it was called Mavis, and you can Google this. It was spelled M-A-A-B-U-S. And my dad was so proud to find this game. It was like three CDs. It worked on our crappy computer just barely. And uh, it was a disaster. It was such a bad game. It was just like the, the, the whole idea of the game was like, okay, you're in a tank and we're going to drop you in the middle of an island and everything is radioactive. So you have like this radioactive... Hmm like meter or some nonsense like that man you you just go around and some dinosaur jumps out of the trees and kills you or something like that the game made no sense but my dad was always so proud of the fact that it was like (laughs) what about maybe he still brings it up to this day like 30 years later like how about that mavis huh i love the idea that he finds out that you have a gaming channel and he's like oh how many subscribers you got there Ooh, a couple hundred thousand wow (laughs) alex what you covering all the super nintendo have you covered mavis Mavis? have you done any mavis (laughs) he still remembers that game oh i love that freaking sad it's like oh you're the only person in freaking the history of civilization that remembers that game that's hilarious it's so bad yeah it that game is just like you know it's your classic cd you know you got these like dollar store actors like just these people that are doing these terrible scenes with these crappy costumes and all this sort of stuff and oh they have fmv bad Oh yeah, you said? It, okay, that, yeah. That's how yeah, FMV and that's how it starts with every mission. Mm, right, 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 right. Y- y- you got to deal with that crap first and then you deal with like the horrible gameplay after the fact. Right. And, oh yeah. man, it's a disaster, but yeah, that's the first thing <laughs> that comes to mind. Yeah, uh, you just wanted to see what else is in here, despite... What ha- else is in this game? Like, yeah. I, that was my first, ex- you know, because I was really diving into Mystery Science Theater at that point, and I was really getting into, like, bad movies. And uh, the concept of bad video games hadn't really gotten, you know, under my skin yet. You know, it hadn't really seeped in yet. So when I found this game, I was like, oh, this game is bad. Like, that's exciting. <laughs> right? That's, yeah. exci- that's exciting to me. Like, wow, what happened to this game? Why is this game so bad? This game is terrible. Like, let's take a look. Let's take a deeper dive into what the heck is going on here. But I couldn't because that's how bad that game was. Right. It was actually a barrier to itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Could yeah. not get any further than you wanted to. Yeah. Not that anybody would want to, but yeah. holy crap. Mabus. I seriously, like, Google that shit. It is bad. <laughs> I, and I think that that is a reason why I gravitated to things like AVGN, because uh, he highlighted a lot of those games that I that, that I knew were hard, and I, didn't, I probably didn't even realize that they were bad. I was just like, man, that game's hard, man. But then he articulates like, you know, and it's it's over the top a lot of times, but he articulates like, 
you know, why it's nearly impossible to see the rest of the game. But like watching his videos was how I saw like parts of video games that I'd long wondered what hit beyond right. the first stage because he will actually plow through it. But an example of my own where I because, you know, Robert here listed some good games. He listed Castlevania 2 and Dark Souls and. Uh, he's like wanted to, you know, power on despite how much of the game was, was causing you friction. And I remember as a kid being so consumed, uh, by the, the original Legend of Zelda because, you know, it was basically an open world and finding all of those dungeons and seeing like just how it looked. Like what, even what color palette was this new dungeon I was going to find? What is, le- where is level seven and what does it look like? <laughs> I got to find it. I have to find it. And so that, that drove me just seeing. Is it going to be brown and blue? Yeah. Is it going to be purple and green? Like, <laughs> and I remember that being like an exciting thing. Like my brother, uh, yeah. who's like 18 years older than me, he had, uh, he had beaten the game and then basically gave my dad and I the cartridge. Um, my brother was much older, so he had his own Nintendo. And he's like, yeah, you, you and dad should play this. And uh, it took dad and I like years to get anywhere in that game. But um, I remember when I finally found level eight, I didn't make it very far in, but I remember calling him and being like, hey, brother, I made it level eight, man. I, I didn't think it'd be like white. Like, it's awesome. <laughs> I just remember like the color of it stood out to me. He's like, yeah, it's crazy. I was like, yeah. I was like, you know. Eight years old, but was so stoked. <laughs> Just tell my brother I saw the color of the dungeon of level eight. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I love stories like that. He was hey, like, man, it's okay. white. <laughs> Everything's white. It's white. It's white bricks in there, man. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. But a more recent example, I just played through the game Firewatch, and I'm in. I'm. I'm still reeling off of it. I thought it was a great, great game. And Firewatch. Firewatch, yeah, it's uh, it probably falls into the genre of like uh, like walking simulator, but you know, first person exploration game, and you're you're walking and you're talking over the radio with this person that's in another fire tower, and you, you sort of build a relationship. It's a narrative that takes place through mm. dialogue more or less. But mm-hmm. I was so captivated by it. I have never sunk like four straight hours into a game like that in a long time. Like it was incredible. Just like what's next? Because there were some mysteries afoot and stuff like that, and. I just didn't want to uh, to stop playing, and I I don't know. I became consumed with it, so that was one where it's like, that's pretty interesting. You know, what else is yeah, in this I, game in these woods? What's going on? Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, preview of this game, and uh, we're looking at a guy with like a dog poop shovel and some toilet paper. Yeah, you're on the woods. And it's like, all right, yeah, all right. It's Firewatch. It's both isolating because you are alone; you never see another person, but it's also. Um, you're still connected because you have this partner that's talking to you over the radio the whole time. And so, by the way, folks, Firewatch seventy five percent off right now. It's uh, five bucks. Get that game. Uh, you get it. You get play that it. game. There's only get it, eight it. people left on Earth who haven't played it, and I was one of them. But I fixed that. So, but yeah, that's. I, I don't even know if that fits Robert's example, but I just wanted to talk about Firewatch, so everyone should play it if you haven't. Works for me. But yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Robert. Not that my opinion matters. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm only one of the people. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just your opinion. I'm just trying to be difficult. It, of course, it matters. You should get a silk bag from the graveyard duck to live longer, Alex. Come on, man. <laughs> of course, you should do that. What does that even mean? What is that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Well, um, speaking of graveyard ducks, we have a great uh, guest coming up who's a big Darkwing oh, Duck she's fan. Wonderful. She's. And speaking of Castlevania, she's, she plays a lot of Castlevania tunes on the old piano. On the piano, on the as piano. they say, but she's wonderful. Yeah, she's uh, one of the best guests we've had. So, yeah. Yeah, and that goes in the Can face Can I say of that? Every guest she's we've ever had. one of the best guests we've yeah, had. Yeah, absolutely. Every other guest should be ashamed of themselves, and they should, they should work, right. work they on should them. They should look at themselves yep. in the mirror. Yep. And Reflect. And be like, come back why better. the hell 
wasn't I as good as Redox? That's right. Here comes Redox. Here it comes. Hi, this is Michelle from PD's Power Hour, a podcast where you can find cool gaming content creators and or gaming enthusiasts discuss all things alcohol. Check it out if you're interested in learning more about what's in your glass and the process that got it there. Available everywhere podcasts are heard and on polymedianetwork.com. Drink well, my friends. Bye. Redox, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us. You've been on our list for a long time. You're 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 all you're a busy person, so thanks for taking the time to hop on here. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm quite honored that you would all think of me. Absolutely. Why not? Absolutely. Why not? Yeah, because you're a musical person and you've got this Castlevania thing coming out. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like why Castlevania? Absolutely. I'd be happy like, to. Uh, so a little bit about just my uh, history with music and playing music on the stream. It kind of was one of those things that just sort of uh, started happening one afternoon. I had picked up a Legend of Zelda book for piano. And it sat on my piano for a couple of years. And I just one day sat down and said, well, I'm going to play with this a little bit. And I recorded a couple of tracks just and posted it on YouTube and sent them to a few friends. And folks said, wow, this is great. And so over time, I ditched a little bit of the imposter syndrome. It still calls my name somewhat. And I uh, (laughs) uh, tried to put some music out there. And I thought a fun way to do it would be to bring it to the stream. And over time, it's just grown in both fun for me and helped me with my confidence of just playing music for fun. And it uh, became a way for me to get creative with music. And I did a Castlevania concert last Halloween. And all of the pieces that I played were from uh, three different Castlevania games. So it was the NES Castlevania, and then Simon's Quest, because everybody wants to hear Bloody Tears. And then, of course. Yeah, and then a few from Symphony of the Night. And I've never played Symphony of the Night, but it has amazing, amazing music. So what I decided to do from there was to see if I could find other recordings or some official uh, scores from Castlevania that were released for piano. Like there's a Legend of Zelda piano book. There's an Earthbound piano book. There's a Final Fantasy collection by a major um, sheet music company. Nothing for Castlevania. Nothing. Scoured the internet. Hmm. And so then when I searched on YouTube, I noticed that it seemed like 98% of the piano music for Castlevania was Bloody Tears and nothing else. Hardly. There's a few exceptions. And I thought, all right, all right, so this might be a fun opportunity to put together some sort of playlist of piano tunes for Castlevania and just record them on my um, grand piano. I have a little tiny grand piano. It's like an eighth size or something like that. And uh, use my microphone setup and just kind of home recordings. And I mentioned it to a few people and they said, you know, you should you should put that out there. And it would be really cool if it was a CD. And I have Hungry Goria to really thank for the inspiration and the yes. encouragement. She's encouraged yeah. me just a ton to get my music out there. And so I did. And I started using the site called Bandcamp, which I'm relatively new to. Yes. Are you folks familiar with Bandcamp? I am. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our friend Coolor is on. Oh, sweet. is on Bandcamp. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty brand new to it, but one thing that I really thought was cool about Bandcamp and made it just more accessible for me is, you know, is being a retro gamer musician, mom, whatever. I uh, I really enjoy being able to take my music with me and be able to listen to it offline. 
And so they have a way where you can download the tracks if you pay just a little bit of money and then they, you just own them. You can put them in your music library, whatever. And they offer um, a way to sell merch through the Bandcamp site. So I wow. am working with a company that will basically uh, print the CDs for me and put them in custom jewel cases that I designed with art and tracks, lists and stuff like that. And so that's what I ended up doing. And it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. See, Trav, that's what people do still. It's not just me. I was going to say. They download MP3s to their phone. Yeah, this will be great. And they listen to You can download some of these and get them on your Zoom, Alex. This is awesome. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, like, download the CD tracks or something. Or, you know, I'm going to put it in my car for road trips with my kids. You know, something like that. So, I love Bandcamp. I'm, I think that's it's awesome. amazing. So, yeah. That's awesome. So were you, when it comes to learning piano, did you have the typical parents like I did where you get dragged to piano lessons, you know, against your will every every week? Yeah. Uh, so to, to Mrs. Morris to Mrs. Morissette's house and <laughs> you you freak out when you you didn't practice enough and I'm sorry, I, I'm I'm projecting here, but <laughs> I learned piano too as a kid and I still know how to learn or uh, I know how to read music to a certain extent. But uh, what was your experience like learning piano? Well, one thing that uh, stands out to me is I, I think I had that experience, but it was actually, that was the college experience for me. I was one of those kids that my parents had to drag me away from the piano because I was supposed to be doing my oh. homework, doing my chores, taking the dog out, you know, things like that. And then as I got older, I wanted to stick with it and study it. And um, I come from a practical kind of family background, you know. And so I, I studied nursing school in, in college, but I took piano as well. And the problem was, if you're a, if you're a nursing student, that's, that's really all you're doing. You're, you're busy. And so I didn't have as much time to practice as the other piano students. And I was always had different musical choices than the other students. And so I was pretty much always in trouble, always late to practice always you know <laughs> not playing what i'm supposed to you know teacher leaves the room and i'm busting out like ragtime and scott joplin and i'm getting scolded no <laughs> go play that other classical stuff so that was a lot of my uh that was a lot of my experience as an adult so i actually pretty much went away from music for a number of years and it was streaming that really brought me back to it oh wow that's did you did you have to do recitals too? oh yes Oh, and they were graded yeah. and evaluated in school. Oh, uh, the worst. Oh, nightmares. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Uh, well, one memory of mine was. Uh, uh, there, you know, you're you're grouped when when you take piano lessons. I don't know what your experience is like, uh, being older. But for me, as a kid, you know, I'm like super shy. I I all I want to do is like the easiest possible thing. I'm playing, you know sailor shindig you know <laughs> just like this like do, 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 you know just like this simple ass like song just so i feel better about myself and then you've get these got these other kids playing like the cheers theme and <laughs> you know like all these like other like great and, it, and it's like looking back on that it's like man i wasted so many people's time with that crap 
it's just it's funny to hear about other people's experiences with that so yeah it's do you play any other instruments uh i, I used to a little bit but i'll speaking of recitals i was just gonna say i'll never forget yeah, this yeah. one time um i had to do some recital for school and i got up they, they made you research the pieces and then give a speech on them and then sit down and play for this oh, particular no. one oh, and what? of course no. i could i know it was bananas and you know i was like 19 or 20 years old and i had i researched it and i couldn't find anything so i relied on wikipedia and so i got which you're not supposed to do in college and you get in trouble right but oh, it, right. it was it was the early days of wikipedia you know <laughs> so i get up there exactly. and I, I give my presentation where i couldn't find like anything and the teachers just ripped into me before i sat down to play and Aww. i remember being like well this is the worst day ever <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, but anyway, that was the best. The best part about playing music as uh, you know, as a teenager and young, young adult, was I got to be in the jazz band. And even though I, I was, I'm a sight reader. If you put um, music that's written out in front of me, I can pick it up and play it pretty quick, uh, mostly unless it's like Rachmaninoff or something. Um, but otherwise. Uh, I don't play by ear or anything like that. Uh, but so jazz band was really interesting because it really helped me expand on some of those sight reading skills and learn lead sheet and stuff. But it wasn't counted for my schooling. They didn't consider jazz band a uh, a legit thing for school. So I didn't get credit what? for it. Yeah, I know. Right. Like, so they put me in the choir. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeez. I can't, I'm not a very good singer. I've been working on it for time, but I'm just not very good. I've been practicing the skill as I've gotten older, but back then I was just absolutely terrible. So, yeah. What kind of school is this that's not giving you credit for for something like jazz? That's ridiculous. We could do an entire episode, I, be- I bet, <laughs> on uh, this kind of conversation, yes. Jeez, that is... All right, that's... Yeah, all right, that's pretty low. Um, so, okay, let's talk about then, we talked about your musical background, what about your video game backgrounds? Like, you, clearly you like Castlevania, or maybe you hate it, I don't know, but um, <laughs> you're, <laughs> what, what, what other games were you into, how did you get introduced to games, that sort of stuff? Yeah, so I have been playing video games since I was a kid, I still remember my dad coming home with an NES action set when I was That's four right. years old. Sitting oh, yeah. in the recliner, a little little kid sitting in the recliner and going to get wh- whichever parent was around, my mom or my dad, that first time that I got through 1-4 and Super Mario Brothers. Mom, 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 look, look, I won! <laughs> you know, I still remember that. I remember getting Super Mario Brothers 3 on Christmas morning, hidden on the back of the Christmas tree. You know, so gaming throughout childhood, NES, Super Nintendo... N64. And then as I got a little bit older into middle school and high school, it was no longer like acceptable really socially among my friends. You know, I didn't have any other friends that played video games except for one who had an older brother and I used to just play video games with him. Fortunately, um, (laughs) went off to college and met my college roommate who I'll keep uh, her name anonymous because I guess she's pretty big time now. Congratulations to her. But um, she brought her laptop to college. Lady Gaga, right? Yeah, that must be it. Lady Gaga. (laughs) And she had uh, a whole bunch of uh, emulators for classic NES games on her laptop. And she asked me one evening, oh, hey, do you uh, do you play video games? And I was like, oh, yeah, a little bit. And then we did, you know, like a two loops of Bubble Bobble that first night. And that pretty much um, brought video games back into uh, the forefront for me. And and as I uh, got older 
and had kids, I realized that I wanted to be able to, as a parent and a mom, include video games in my kid's life, too, because that was something special and fun for me. And um, although I think among parenting circles, sometimes video games get a bad rap, I think there's a fun way to really bring them into your family and into your life in a way that's That's a fun thing you can do together, as opposed to um, something that's considered kind of not so, you know, not so great among parents. So that's how I kind of got started back. And that also is what led me to streaming. My kids one day in the car were begging me on the drive from somewhere. Mom, 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 can we be streamers? We want to have a YouTube channel. Just begging, 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 begging. And I thought about it for quite a while, talked to my husband a little bit, Mr. Redox, and we discussed that a great way would be instead of to say no, because they're just going to do it when they're older, if you say no, is to teach them to do it along with us. So when I first started streaming, it was retro games that I played with my kids, and they would sit there with me, and we would play games for a little bit. And it just, over time, has sort of grown and evolved. Very cool. Very, very cool. You know, your experience when you talk about growing up uh, with video games reminds me a lot of uh, what my girlfriend Pearl talks about, where it's like, yeah, it's cool to be into video games when you're a kid, and, you know... But but eventually you get to the point where it's like you're a teenager. Uh, as I I you know I'm a dude. I've I've always been a dude. Uh, but she had a different experience for than I did, where she you know she none of her friends played video games at all, and she was obsessed from with Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy VII, and her Twitter feed is just nothing but retweets of, like, pictures of Tifa and Aerith and stuff (laughs) to this day, uh, as Trav could probably allude to. But but she talks about that a lot, where it's like, all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, it's not cute anymore. It's not not a thing for a girl to like video games anymore. And that's, like, heartbreaking for me to hear. (laughs) That sucks. That's not, that's, that's, it feels like you're missing out. Um, that must be a very lonely experience, but at least now, um, my, you know, my, my niece, uh, my brother's kid who's 12, uh, his daughter is into like Genshin Impact. Like she has like her own little clan that she plays with, with school kids. Awesome. It's really cool. Yeah. It's so cool to hear like other, you know, girls are getting into that. Like, that's not a thing anymore. Like it's, it's not. See, it's not frowned upon anymore, and I'm very, very happy to hear that. So when I hear like you say that, it's it's kind of it's kind of heartbreaking to me uh, to hear that because it's like, man, come on, everybody should like video yeah. games. It's it's not not any different than movies or music or anything like that. Come on, totally. And I think, I mean, and this is just my opinion. I don't have the articles and the facts to back it up, but I think some of it is. Um, you know, who your family is and sort of your social circle and stuff. And, you know, the like interests of the kids I hung out with as we got to, oh, I don't know, middle school, sixth, seventh grade, just kind of wandered away from video games. I had one friend growing up who really liked video games and she used to come over to my house and we'd play Sonic 2 and I was Sonic and she was Tails. And we played it a ton, played other games too, uh, some Genesis and some Super Nintendo. And it was delightful. But I look now at my kids and my kids who are... um, um, off doing their their kid things this afternoon. Um, one of them is playing Pokemon, 
And one of them is playing probably something online co-op with their buddies while talking on Discord. So it is the modern era, and it's so cool that kids nowadays have the opportunity to all hang out and talk to each other after school. And I just think back to my childhood. What did I have to do? You know, I had to wait for my turn yeah. on the phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a special time. That's I think it's funny. really great. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy to see mm-hmm. that that it's become more acceptable yeah. cuz I always felt bad for people that couldn't I was always the weird kid uh that had I I carried a notebook around with me. I've talked to, with Trav about this before <laughs> with all my passwords God, that I would copy what a dork. from <laughs> What a dork. That was the perception, yes. <laughs> uh you know, in grade school in 4th grade, 5th grade, 6th grade and all that sort of stuff and I was like, man, you guys are missing out. Like, this stuff is awesome. Like, it's super fun. And, um, yeah, so it's, 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 I love the fact that, uh, that's seen as just a normal thing now. It's not seen as, I was made fun of a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, re- no, no, I'm not resentful about it or anything like that. It was just like, fine, make fun of me. I don't care. I'm, I'm having fun over here playing. You know, Final Fight and Mario World and Madden and all this sort of stuff. Nice. Like, I don't care. I, but, um, I mean, I had a password yeah, notebook too. Mm. Oh, did yep, you really? I sure did. Do you still have it? Uh, no, I don't think so. It kind of shredded and disintegrated at some point, unfortunately. <laughs> but I've got a new one started uh, with, with my kids for some of our retro stuff. I got to dig that back out. Oh, nice. Oh, that's cool. I, you know, th- you mentioned uh, Hunger Garaya earlier. I love that she still draws maps. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, when 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 she plays games on her channel and she's she seriously like stops what she's doing and like draws, you know, where she's been and stuff like that. Like that is super old school and it's super fun <laughs> to 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 see that and brings back uh those memories of me doing the same thing. Uh I've got those I've got some very poorly drawn maps. A lot of them were on like subway napkins. But uh yeah, it was uh th- Th- those were the days, man. That w- that was fun. Um, so I'm. I'm. Ha- I, the point is, is I'm just happy to see gaming become more. I don't want to say mainstream, but just more acceptable. Like, yeah, and I think less nerdy. I think that's the key thing, you know, f- that I see um, in my kids is that uh, some families, sure, gaming's not really a part of their life, and I think that's totally fine, right? To each his own, whatever works for you. Uh, but it's not sure. seen as something that you have to hide, right? You're not gonna, you're not gonna lose friends because <laughs> you play Pokemon, right? You know, there's not a, there's not yeah. a big divide or anything like that. And I mean, I was pretty lucky; I didn't really experience any teasing or bullying. One time when I was in middle school, um, my mom, I remember she questioned me kind of weirdly after dinner one night. I found out years later that some boys had called and um, they needed help with a game, it turned out. And she was like, what is going uh. on? Because it was <laughs> right when awesome. Ocarina yeah. of Time came out and I knew how to beat the Water Temple. That is what? awesome. Yeah. So that was the funny part. How long did that take you? Forever. Do, do, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, bring us back to that moment. Like, oh, gosh. was there a eu- eureka moment or was it just like grind until you get it? Oh, note taking and grind sessions. Absolutely. I don't really remember <laughs> how I accomplished it, to be honest, but I was so excited when that game came out. And I remember, again, my dad bought it for me. And I think he bought me the player's guide, too, when it came out eventually, because that was one of the things I loved about games growing up was both the game itself, but the manuals and the guides and the maps. And I loved all 
all that stuff that came with them. And I know you asked me a few minutes ago and I didn't get around to it and meandered off on a tangent, but um, some of my favorite games from growing up and also nowadays is games uh, like The Legend of Zelda. Link to the Past probably is my favorite of all time, but I love a lot of games in the Zelda genre. And I've recently come to love um, RPGs and I never played RPGs as a kid, so I'm experiencing them all new as an adult now. Oh, yeah, that's great. Interesting. Yeah, and one of the greatest things about those games, what keeps bringing me back to both sort of adventure style action games like Legend of Zelda series and RPGs, is a story mixed with great music and incredible maps and overworlds. And that's one of the things I really love. So I also collect players' guides just because I just love them. They're so interesting, and I love playing a modern game that I have once sort of played through, you know, what do they say? Um, first playthrough, no spoilers, blind, whatever the expression is at the time. But then going back after I've played a section and looking in those guides and getting all the details and just soaking it up, because I just think it's a really cool sort of media to enjoy. The guides, I, I really never think to use them, but I love just hoarding tons of just those Brady games guides and just flip through them as if they're magazines like <laughs> just the all the and imagery the and all that stuff oh, the nintendo cool. power player guides they they always had like extra artwork yeah yeah in the games and that was what i loved the most like the chrono trigger guide that nintendo put out holy crap there's so much like great art in that like that's that's what i like best about those but yeah 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 pretty neat stuff i wanted to ask and you guys were talking about how gaming is um or at least when when we were growing up a lot of times it was taboo among kids and now it seems like you know kids uh, kids are okay talking about games and playing games and doing whatever it's it's fairly ingrained but do you find uh red ox you know because you're uh you're professional you're a, a professor you're in a in a medical field a very respected uh field do you find that it's taboo amongst your colleagues amongst people your age to admit that they are into games or streaming because i find that within my line of work within uh, the job that i have that uh you know i, I don't want to use the term you know like came out or anything but when i told people i'm like yeah i'm super into video games i got a big collection and stuff like that they're like oh <laughs> well and it, like they kind of whisper they're like i i play galaga when i see it like like they're talking about hiding a body under a railroad track and i'm like dude it's cool that's awesome you like galaga <laughs> Play Galaga. But do you find that amongst your peers that it's uh, even it's taboo among adults as it was uh, as much as when we were kids? I would, That's a good point. That is a really good point. And I would say yes, but I'm going to qualify it because I think one thing that I've been able to do is sort of bring people along to the idea that, yeah, it's perfectly acceptable to play video games as an adult and it's fine. What what they view as sort of the bad side of video games is perhaps what we who play them view as the bad side, you know, toxic culture and, you know, mm. uh, sort of, you know, video games taking over your life where you never do anything else. Like they, those are the same sort of things that, you know, folks, most folks who play video games would also like to stay away from, you know, it's just another hobby. We enjoy reading novels. 
everybody thinks that's perfectly socially acceptable to spend a weekend with a book. I, I like to think that I'm sort of changing minds that if people wanted to spend the weekend enjoying a video game, that's okay, too. Have I been totally successful in that? Absolutely not. Do they still tease me? <laughs> you bet. But um, I've noticed in the last few years, especially, we've had some new folks join us where I work, and they see from my office or the hallway next to my office, which is decorated by uh, paintings from the Renaissance and the Gamescape yeah. artist collection, that wow, they go, nice. yeah, that they go, uh, oh, hey, you like video games? Did you know that I'm super good at Dr. Mario? Or, you know, whatever it is. And so we get these little side conversations started. And sure, there's still some, there's still some, you know, um, like let's go with general. Almost? Yeah, we'll go with generalizations too. Like a, mm. a couple years ago, I had somebody yeah. ask me in a large group, oh, you play video games because your husband likes them, right? Oh. And I was like, nope. Oh, no. <laughs> Nope, that's not it. That ain't it. But thanks, though. Um, you're welcome to play Jeez. with me, too. That would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. That's one of those things. I, I've run into that. Uh, d- have you ever had, you know, you're an instructor, uh, but have you had a student ask about your your Twitch stuff oh, yet? Is that, gosh. Have you Have you run into that situation yet? Okay, first of all, students, if you're hearing this, we have trust together. I just want to let you know. Also, tell all your friends about the podcast. Yeah. Rate it on Spotify and iTunes if you don't Rate, mind. Review, rate, review, subscribe, and rate five stars right now. There we go. Yeah, smash okay. that like button. There you go. Smash is that, is that it. Smash that. Smash all the, smash all the buttons. I don't care. So um, that's actually really funny that you should mention it because I do have a little story. And I, I don't... Um, you know, what do they say? Cross the streams with the um, the real life profession and social media, yes. because I just personally, it's my own belief that in my role as a professor, uh, I shouldn't co- have connections with students on social media until they graduate. Just creates too many conflicts of interest and so mm-hmm. on. So I'm very clear to keep sort of those two areas separate so it couldn't lead to any problems for either me or the students, right? While they're in school mm-hmm. with me. So, but when, <laughs> during the early days of the pandemic, and we were all at home teaching classes online instead of uh, in the classrooms. I remember one of my first classes I taught, I had, uh, you know, you turn on that Zoom camera, and I'm showing the same office view that I use for my Twitch streams. And one of the students, when we went to small group, was like, um, Dr. Redox, I want to ask you a question. I don't know if this is okay or not, but, well, it's the first day of school, and now I'm all nervous, right? And the mm-hmm. student goes... Do, do you stream on Twitch? And I was just like, what? No, of course not. What are you no. talking about? And this, and they went on to say, well, you see, you just really seem like you know how to do this. And you have all this neat stuff. And that was when I just started laughing. And I said, now, I can't tell you about streaming on Twitch until after you graduate. And I gave them my little speech. But it was very funny. We had quite the little <laughs> laugh. And then, wouldn't you know it, one of the very first days that we were back in campus, on campus in the classroom teaching and having class and stuff, I said in a moment of tiredness to the students, all right, now, after class today, um, make sure that you go on back and uh, chest, check Discord, where I've posted the homework, and you should have just seen the students. They just looked at uh. me like, I'm sorry, did she just say Discord? And then just bursting out laughing. And it was like, well, there you go. Cats out of the bag, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh no, our professor is cool. What do we do? It was very funny. What do we do? <laughs> How do we handle this information? Yeah. 
They, they had funny. no idea that a professor could know about Discord. Now, there's probably only like three of us in the department that know about Discord, but still, it's very funny. That is funny. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't tell anybody about the whole SNES drunk thing that I have going on. Um, I, I, I really shy away from it, but uh, I had... Okay, so let, let me just confide right now. Um, I uh, had solar panels put on our house uh this past couple when was that like last month i live in new mexico it makes sense like yeah you, you <laughs> live in the freaking desert you're the sun is out all the time let's let's go solar it's totally fine so i i got this like call that's like uh hey uh you can roll this loan f- for to pay for the solar panels in with your mortgage and i'm like all right let's let's check this out and the guy's asking me all sorts of questions about, you know, income and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh, and I also made, you know, X amount of money from YouTube. And he's like, wait, what? Really? YouTube? And I'm like, yeah. And <laughs> this is a dude like my age. And <laughs> we had the conversation where it was like, <laughs> oh, God, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, oh, my God, I'm trying to remember what he said, but it, it was just like, yeah, I, I I just review video games that people stopped playing, you know, 30 years ago, 25 years ago. And, you know, my name is SNES Drunk, and he bursts out laughing. He's like, are you fucking serious? Like, you're SNES Drunk? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking SNES Drunk. <laughs> it was really, it was honestly kind of embarrassing. But did he recognize and you? Like, when, when you said that, he was like, wow, you're SNES Drunk? Or did, did he not really? No, 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 no. Okay. It, was, it wasn't like that. It was more like. Oh, uh, that's your name kind of I, thing? Like, that's your name. I've seen you before. I've come across your videos. They've been recommended to me and all that sort of stuff. That's hilarious. He, this, the, it, it was hilarious, but it was, like, really embarrassing because I'm trying to get this, like, financial stuff taken care of. You're trying to do big boy stuff, and, it, and you're like, yeah, I'm also yeah, and it's like, an internet yeah, guy. Also, yeah. I'm an I'm an internet weirdo with this <laughs> weird video game stuff with a terror. You know, I I tell everybody like SNES Drunk is the name SNES Drunk is just proof that I never thought this would work because it's such a bad name. Like who goes out there and says like, oh yeah, my name is SNES Drunk. It's catchy. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. it's it's it sticks it's with everybody. It, it is. It, it sticks out. The only reason it the only reason it's catchy is because it's two syllables. No way. I'm gonna. Easy. I'm with Trav here. I gotta disagree. I think it's. I think it's fun. It's clever and it's lighthearted. So there. Yeah, take that, it Alex. Not, it, clever. It is not. <laughs> okay, maybe not clever, but it's lighthearted, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost SNES dog. I wanted my oh. dog Clyde to be. Uh, I wanted the v- reviews to take the. Pl- you know, uh, happen from his perspective. But anyway, yeah, I had that experience like just earlier this week where this guy is freaking out. You're my first YouTube celebrity. <laughs> I'm like, Please do not say that. I'm not a celebrity. I just want to see if <laughs> he's like, will you autograph all of my tapes? I have some Super Nintendo tapes. I'd like for you to autograph. <laughs> I just want to see if I can roll my solar payment into my mortgage. Is that okay? Please. Uh, but yeah, that was weird. Like for that guy to react that way, that was completely unexpected. But yeah, um, it's all good, man. Hey, uh, Red anyway, Ox, what were we talking about? I, I completely 
got off track. You did. You went, you went down a dark hole in your in your mind. I hope you're okay. Uh, but the uh, uh, the dark <laughs> the Darkwing Duck uh, thing that seems to be. Oh yeah, we got to talk about Darkwing Duck. That's kind of your your mascot in a way. Uh, but what's your what's your history with the uh, with the duck there? Okay. What's, what's oh gosh. <laughs> what's going so, on with the duck? Yeah. So, uh, well, it's another it's another kind of mixed story. Also, uh, a little bit back from w- when I was a kid. Of course, probably like a lot of folks who are my age. And I mean, y'all tell me if you did this too when you're growing up. You come home after school. You, if you had homework, you finished it, and uh, then you sat down with like a snack. Maybe you sat down on the floor on the beanbag chair, whatever, on the couch, whatever, and you watched the Disney afternoon. And Hell yes, I have that as a note on our sheet. Darkwing Duck is the unsung hero yes. of Disney Afternoon. Yes. 100%. Yes, and so while um, when I would get home from school, uh, DuckTales would be ending. I had to do my homework during Chippendale Rescue Rangers, but Darkwing Duck was on next, and that one was my favorite. So I hurried to get my homework done so I could sit there on the floor with my dog and watch from the beanbag chair, uh, watch uh, Darkwing Duck when I was done with my homework. And then sometimes if I, I awesome. would be allowed to like watch it, even if my homework wasn't all the way done, if I could finish it after dinner, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and it was just a lot of happy memories. And all the kids on the playground used to pretend that they were characters from the Disney afternoon shows. I don't know. Maybe that's a... Uh, maybe oh, that's a nice. little girl Pacific like Northwest thing, but I just remember all my friends like to pretend, but I always wanted to be Darkwing Duck. I didn't want to be Webby. You know, I didn't want to be <laughs> the Tailspin characters, but I always wanted to be Mrs. Darkwing Beakley. Duck. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I guess just nothing changed. I just never grew out of it. Um, eventually, I was at a Comic-Con in Portland with a friend, uh, and uh, we're <laughs> I kind of feel bad about this one a little bit. So we're both tired, and we're walking around looking at stuff. And way across the, the entire room there in the big auditorium in Portland, I see a table with this giant Darkwing Duck sign and poster and I just drag her all the way across with me Uh, oh my gosh and I get over there and it is two of the comic uh, writer and artists there was a series of Disney afternoon uh, Darkwing Duck comics that were released just a few years ago and they're exceptional they're truly like extensions of the show written by uh, Aaron Sparrow and then um, the artist was James Silvani and a few other artists and they were there at the table and they spent like 20 minutes talking to me and I went home with all the comics and came back the next day with my kids and we bought pretty much everything else on the table posters and all sorts of things oh nice and I started reading the comics with my kids and they were just the right age. They were just the age I was as a kid sitting down watching it on TV. And so they loved like those eight books. Eight or nine or ten. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's and, awesome. And they just loved it. And we uh, we got all the comics signed. And they're all, they have lovely art drawn on them, too. And then the next Comic-Con I went to, uh, we decided to dress all three of us up as Darkwing Duck. And one of the stories in the comic Aww. series was called, I think, Crisis on Infinite Darkwings. And it was all different, like, Mirror Universe Darkwing <laughs> Ducks. And so we were all different versions. <laughs> and we just had a blast. Oh, my God. A, there's, that is next level right there. It, that is excellent. It was so fun. And then from there, it was so fun. To dress up as Darkwing Duck cosplay for Comic-Con people, loved it. And so I just had such a blast. Yeah, that's, I was I was going to say, like, that's not a cosplay you see very often. Right, yeah. Uh, Darkwing Duck. That's uh, true. I, yeah. All the love comes to, like you said, DuckTales, uh, Rescue Rangers. 
even Tailspin. Like, come on, yep. Tailspin. You're taking Tailspin over Darkwing Duck. I'm. I get out of here with that. Come on, Darkwing Duck was great. Uh, I'm convinced it was just an excuse that the 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 reason the show existed in the first place was just to have Launchpad on TV more cuz Launchpad was my absolute favorite. I love dumb characters like Launchpad. He was that great. guy Launchpad is my favorite character <laughs> in, in anything ever because he's 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 so dumb and he, the way he phrases stuff, will do Mr. McD or something yep. or will D Mr. McDo or something like that. Like he I just love Launchpad. <laughs> so more launch pad equals more laughs Absolutely. for me, at least. But uh, yeah, that was and 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 then you got the the NES game. Oh yes, Darkwing Duck is a super unsung. Uh, speaking of unsung heroes, that game, you know, that's a Capcom classic. Mm-hmm. Like that's a really good game. You've, I, I assume you've played that, right? Yep. I uh, I, li- I like it a lot. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm no expert. I find it challenging. It was one that, it was the only one of the Disney Afternoon games uh, of the main ones, not the DuckTales 2 or Chippendale 2, but of, you know, the first series launches that I, I didn't have as a kid. We could never find it. And I remember always being so disappointed. So when I got back into collecting as an adult, it was one of the first ones that I looked for. Mm. And uh, it's such a fun game. I've beat it a couple times. I streamed it once. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I just really, really enjoy that game. It's it's like if they took Batman and mm-hmm. Mega Man, yeah. right, and put it together. Yeah, it's awesome. It's got that Capcom vibe to it for sure. Where the the, the arrow gun is what sticks out to my in my memory in that game, where you use the arrows as platforms. Yeah, like that sort of thing. Where it's got like a Mega Man vibe, and yeah, it does have a Batman vibe to it for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that game. So did you folks know that we almost got a 16-bit Darkwing Duck game? What? You can't. How how do you know that? Well, there was a Kickstarter project by the folks who created Sonic Mania, uh, and they put out a demo and pitched it to Capcom, and Capcom passed. Oh, Capcom, what are you doing? Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, dig it up for you uh, after. I think I have it at the demo save somewhere. And there's only one level available, but it looked so good. And they were reaching out to, um, I don't know, a variety of Disney artists and creators, I believe, to do some of the level designs. And uh, it was going to have, you know, more villains in it and all sorts of things. And so, I mean, there's no official version of that, but... The the demo does exist online, and you can find it. That's breaking. What a scoop! What a scoop, Alex. You didn't even That's you didn't even know about time that scoop. Yeah, no, I had no idea. Like, I, listen, I'm Man. looking at my book right now that says uh, the games that weren't from uh, our friends at uh, Bitmap Books. That's that's that game's not in there. Come on. Yeah. How long ago was that Kickstarter? Uh, a couple of years pre-pandemic. Hmm. Um, let's gotcha. see here. That's cool, though. I mean, sad but cool. Yeah. At the same time. Sad but hmm. cool. Exactly. Man, I'm jealous of your guys' uh, after-school Disney afternoon stuff. When I got off the bus, I watched uh, what was left of Oprah with my mom, and then we had dinner. <laughs> and I got I didn't get a lot of Disney afternoon. I got a lot of Oprah. Like a little Oprah afternoon. <laughs> you know what if I what if I had grown up and just had like uh, like this thing about Oprah and like my whole thing was like I had <laughs> Oprahs plushies. <laughs> And Oprah podcast. An Oprah podcast. That'd be that'd be interesting. 
What do you, Trav? Honest question: Do you have any memories of like any particular Oprah episodes from that time? Uh, you know, there was a period of time where Oprah did a little bit more of the, uh, like the Mari Povich thing, where it wasn't like celebrity interviews right, and books. Yeah. It was more yeah domestic it drama. Was more Donahue. Yeah, well, it was a little more more Oprah, of that. Yeah. I remember watching a lot of troubled teens on there. Yeah, my mom was like, "You better not end up like that." And I was like, "Oh, I won't, mom. I don't want to go on Oprah. Not not with us." But uh, yeah, I I actually missed out on a lot of that Seriously stuff hilarious. after uh, the after school stuff. I missed out on a lot. I got to see uh, what's that? What was the show with the uh, was it uh, with like Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears on it when they were a kid? Mickey Mouse Club. I got to see a little bit of that. But well, at least you had that. At least I had oh, that right, yeah. and all those people turned out <laughs> fine. So that was good. Good show. Uh, not to bring us down. Oprah's great, right? We're all like Oprah. She had a Kickstarter game that was going to come out. It was going to be sixteen hey. bit. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Oprah's fine. Um, I loved. Uh, Man, Disney Afternoon, man, you missed out on... Let, here, let's lecture Trav hey, lecture about me. what he missed out on with Disney Afternoon. We had gummy bears. They're bouncing here and there and everywhere. Wow. They are the gummy bears. Okay. We had that. I used to eat those. Yeah, and, and we had Lorenzo Music as one of oh, the... Yes. Um, also known as the voice of Garfield. He mm-hmm. was one of the... Uh, voice actors on that show hmm. so that show was like an instant watch for me mm-hmm. after that you had ducktales then you had chip and dale recu- uh, rescue rangers um and then i think tailspin and then they they shifted everything uh like a year into it where they ditched gummy bears they just yep. kicked, oh. kicked them to the curb and uh they went ducktales rescue rangers uh darkwing duck and then that's when they started working stuff like Goof Troop into the mix. And Gargoyles. Gargoyles was awesome. Gargoyles, that's right. Yes. Such yes. a good Gargoyles show. Gargoyles was awesome. Yeah. And Gargoyles was different. Gargoyles wasn't just like a novelty. It was like, whoa, this is, you know, this this hits differently than freaking Goof Troop. Right. <laughs> For sure. It's a, it's a definite... Uh, change of pace that's for sure mm-hmm. but yeah that was super fun mm-hmm. uh they, they knew what they were doing when it came to uh, programming you know late afternoon stuff yep and darkwing duck was gonna originally be what was it called double o duck and then um apparently i listened to an interview by the creator for darkwing um tad stones and saying that basically the uh, the james bond people were not terribly happy about that and so Aww. uh the inspiration <laughs> Then uh, sort of changed gears very rapidly in pre-production away from James Bond to being more like The Shadow. But the premise for the Mm. cartoon was something more akin to what if Batman had a daughter who wouldn't stay home? And that's where they came up with (laughs) the way that the story sort of ran. Gosselin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Gosselin was totally a completely different character for the time, for sure. Yep. Um, she was very, you know, we were used to Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and, you know, like, oh, there are these reckless kids that blah, blah, blah. Gosselin was, like, an orphan, and, yeah, it just hit differently at that time. Absolutely. It was, in retrospect, it's, like, very much appreciated that that was put out there at that time. Hmm. Um... The Game Boy game for Darkwing Duck, I have not played this myself, and but Trav made a note of this. Yeah, I like it. And now, 
you've played it. So now I want to like see how much it's going for on eBay because I might want to try this out myself. Yeah, it's not bad. You know, it's uh, I we we compared the the NES one to the NES Batman, and I think the Game Boy Batman is decent too. I would put uh, Darkwing Duck alongside that. It's not just a port of the NES game. No, no, it's 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 different. Okay, right on. I might get this. This looks unless I'm remembering the wrong game, uh, which has happened several times on this podcast. I think it's decent. I'm just going to say decent, and I think that 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 just is. I'm escaped from all ridicule. It's decent. Well, <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. I I can't. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I I'm getting a little sick of NES golf or uh, not NES NES golf. Yeah, that's what I want to say. Uh, golf on Game Boy. The battery on that card is dying, so oh. I need to. Uh, yeah, have you ever replaced a battery on a Game Boy card? I don't. I don't know um, if I'm con- confident enough in my soldering. I've not to do that, and I did just look at the Wikipedia, and it is an exact port of the NES game. So uh, it I is was, an exact. Port. I was wrong earlier. You know what? But I'm going to say it's still decent. You know, I did. I didn't lie about that part. <laughs> it's decent. You're going to double down. I, I I need. I just need more Game Boy games that are you know fine. Plus, I've got the analog pocket coming, and I need oh, more ooh. portable games. Like period. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry, Red Ox. We're getting way off. No, sorries. <laughs> I was just going to ask next, but what do you all think about the TurboGrafx 16 game? And I just, you know, I, I've never played the TurboGrafx 16 one because the I only mean, reason the only the only reason I know about that is from the Angry Video Game Nerd video. Oh, that's, that's right. I've never played it. Yeah, and he said it was one of the worst games he ever played, which is which make, makes me really sad because come on. Starwing Duck. Yeah, it makes me sad too, but it has a great sprite sheet that I enjoy looking at for inspiration for new emotes, but that's about it. <laughs> it, it does, like, you know, in the reception section on a Wikipedia page, you know, they, they usually try to be pretty diplomatic, but uh, this one is like the game received basically all negative reviews from critics. <laughs> Panned completely. Bad all the time. No one loved it. Ugly duckling, they said. Get it out of here, some said. Burn it to the ground, others mentioned. So <laughs> Harsh. Evidently not great. <laughs> You're making half of those. Half up. of those I did make up. You are correct. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to entertain. But uh, Turbo Play Magazine, which we all know, highly regarded in the review space, 40%. Gave it a 40%. So, um, Well, geez. You can't, uh, you can't argue with Turbo It's Play. funny to me that like no matter how bad the game, you're always going to see like a long plays or a Nintendo computer. Yeah, somebody... Like did it three you know? hour video, <laughs> and I love that too because I'm like I'm not going to go play that game to see all the levels. What did what does it look like in there? Yeah, <laughs> that's very cool. that's hilarious. Uh, Redox, last I think a last question for me here. Um, the name itself, Redox. Are we referring to the Red Auxiliary Cable? My favorite as well of the three um, colors. You are totally correct. So the name Boom. was developed between <laughs> me and uh, Mr. Redox as a little bit of a joke because that uh, we, you know, when you have to hook up your retro consoles to your CRT, uh, you have to turn on the the auxiliary channel and that's what we remember using as kids growing up you know there was Uh maybe you had channel three or channel four but for us we remember plugging our game systems into the uh the 
channel setting that was AUX, auxiliary. Mm-hmm. So that is where the name came from. And then over the years, I've kind of joked that it's the, uh, you know, it's the amplifier, like the output for the amplifier for the piano. That's not it. It's the, it's the CRT. It's the red, yellow, and white. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's about. <laughs> nice. Yep. Nice. Uh, well, Alex, Alex, do you have any follow-up questions here? Yeah, I'm watching this Darkwing Duck oh, demo. Oh, you're still on that? And okay. holy crap, this looks awesome. It's like a 16-9 aspect ratio version of, you know, Maui Mallard, basically. Right. Like, this looks so good, and I'm so sad that this got shut down, because this looks like the NES game, only just a thousand times more smooth yeah it looks incredible ah. i'm also watching awesome. yeah. if you're if you're out there uh we'll put a link to this um heartbreaking article oh, yeah. in I, the uh, description I, and you can watch it at home i suppose it's it's not ideal to talk about, <laughs> describe what's on your screen alex come on uh, yeah exactly yeah but um but well thanks for sharing that because uh you're you know welcome. It's still interesting. Yeah, that's fantastic. I had no idea this existed. So, and huh. now I'm heartbroken. I know. Sorry. Yeah, Spread the sadness. Yeah. Jeez. Jeez, Red Ox, right? <laughs> jeez. Jeez, Louise. Jeez. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Again, we know you're, you're a busy person. Hey. And, uh, yeah. Thanks for taking the time, though, to come and share, share a little bit about what you're playing with the music and stuff like that. And, and maybe, you know, let us know maybe something you're working on or something that people can look forward to where they can find your stuff. Absolutely. And thank you so much. It's been really fun to hang out and talk with you both. So uh, where they can find me over on uh, the Twitch side of things, twitch.tv slash redoxpdx. And um, I stream retro games typically earlier in the evening on my uh, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday schedule. And then we do piano time for the last hour or so to close out the stream. Folks can request songs if they're a follower of the stream and subscribers get to request up to four songs. That's pretty much how I have it set up right now. I have over, oh gosh, 130 songs of video game music for folks to choose from. And um, the Castlevania CD uh, digital album is available on redox.bandcamp.com. And I am working on getting a second printing of the CD because the first release um, surprised me and all sold out in two days. And Whoa. I was just utterly shocked. I had only ordered 25 and went, oh, <laughs> oh, no, what do I do? So <laughs> I'm Holy working cow. on ordering a second printing of more. And so that'll be available uh, theoretically someday, eventually soon. Um, yeah, and so that's pretty much what I've got going on. I had other projects for a while, but a lot of them kind of got put on hold because things get busy and you know, maybe someday we'll bring those back. So we'll have to see. Well, if you do, we'll be happy to have you back on to, well, to talk about those too. Yeah. yeah. Please come back on well, sometime. Thank you. That would be awesome. Thank you. And I'm the the other things I used to do was I used to do um, little recaps of games that I'd played, and they, I, I call them um, five minute reviews, just about what my impression was of just a game I enjoyed, you know, with either by myself or with my kids. And it's a that's about it. And then um, just some cosplay and some stuff like that too, you know, around the old internet. So not too much, but. All right, everyone, that's been another Drunk Friend Podcast. And hey, guess what? You can reach out to us with questions or comments at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. We'll respond here and read it eventually. You can go to polymedianetwork.com if you want to hear more podcasts from us or our crew. We have Tales of the Lesser Medium, Petey's Power Hour, and Polykill. And hop on over there, get into some 1994 with us. That'd be great. 
Just give us a rating review on a podcast app of your choice, and that'll help us out big time. You can rate on Spotify right now. Come on. Do it. Do it now. Do it now. Get down. <laughs> there's a chop. Uh, there's a bomb. Get down. Do it. You can now. You can find us on uh, social media, too. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at TravPlaysGames. Alex, he's, of course, at SNESDrunk. And you can find our guest, Redox, at RedoxPDX. That's Red A-U-X-P-D-X. And as always, the music you heard at the beginning and you can hear right now was composed by our friend Cooler. The track you hear is called Electric Starbounce. And you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page shout out to josh leslie i'm gonna say this slowly josh leslie for our thirst quenching logo good job be sure to catch us all on youtube thanks for listening yeah have a great rest of your day folks 